Good morning, wonderful listeners. You've tuned into Post Session Podcast, a podcast filled with the stoke of a surf session and the wise guidance of an ocean voyager. Your water-loving hosts are ready to share this infectious state of mind while encouraging and inspiring you for your next adventure. The next morning, my brain felt the squeeze of dehydration. I guzzled water, hoping to wash the frightening reality of my actions out of my mind. But the next weekend, there was another big party, and Mario suggested we check out the back room together. I grabbed his outstretched hand, following his lead into yet another world. I'd only been back there a few times during the day when he had been printing out some information about dive trips on his printer. When he opened the office door, I drew a breath as the scene unfolded in front of me. Dun, dun, dun. What happens next? <laughs> Hello, Post Session Podcast listeners, and welcome to this session of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Laurel. Hey, Ashley. Today, we opened with a little reading from my new favorite book. <laughs> Boom! The long-awaited post-session podcast favorite, Foam, by Laurel H. Sinek. You guys are not seeing this right now because uh, it's We're a podcast. It. Yeah, <laughs> Video. But I'm holding the book, the actual first hard copy of the book that I've seen, mm-hmm. which is exciting. It's very exciting. It says, Foam, waves aren't the only giants cast must face to survive. It feels heavy, too. Well, there's a few pages in there. It's the weight <laughs> of a decade of work. Pretty much. I mean, isn't wow. it? Wow. Yeah. Would you say it's a decade? Yeah. yeah I can't Almost. even. Ugh. Yeah. So anyway, that, what we started with is a reading from the book. And uh, we decided to read it on uh, on the air because we were trying to decide before we started recording who could. Which one of us would be a better narrator for yeah, the book. Yeah. For the audio version. So we, we both read a section. And then when I read that section. Um, Laurel said, ooh, I want to know what happens next. You should read that on the air. <laughs> I think I just got lucky and got a better paragraph, actually. <laughs> oh. Anyway, um, we want to talk today all about the book. This is a <clears throat> a book episode. We're going to talk about the who, what, when, and where of Laurel's book, of her launch party, of her motivation. And I really want to talk about some nuts and bolts. Nuts and bolts. Of writing because it's not easy. It's not easy. No. And this book (laughs) represents a tremendous amount of work and time and effort. And so I want you to just give everybody the shortcut. Okay. Give notes coming up. Yeah. Give them the, (laughs) give them the map. How do they do this in a week instead of 10 years? (laughs) Um, But first let's start with our format. So I will say one thing about what I would offer somebody who does want to write is that I could help people not take a decade. At this point, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure the per- first person, uh, first part of advice would be, well, just focus on writing the book because I'm sure you took breaks. I took a ton of breaks. I mean, really, last the year before last, I didn't. I was working on with you with Black Shoe Wahini. So. Yeah, and then I'm like, well, why don't you just? And then I had get a real job. Book out. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure a decade doesn't really, you know. You, this doesn't really encompass a full decade of work, but still fits and spurts, fits and spurts. So let's start with uh, let's start with post session podcast. Yeah, 
I guess we don't need to introduce me because no, no, y'all don't know me by now. Senek, uh, <laughs> author, podcaster, surfer. Dun, dun, da, 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 wearing an Evolve freediving shirt, which I love. That's right. Yeah. Tell us your position notes, Laurel. Yeah, that's a little disappointing. We almost need to skip it. <laughs> oh, you mean like mine have been for the last year? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did go out this weekend, this past weekend, and it it was one of those situations where, oh my God, the swell's coming, it's going to be epic, let's get there before there's even the first hint of light, just to make sure we had a park at our favorite spot, and then... Actually, uh, Kristen and I walked all the way down to the inlet like we were the first ones there and we were going to get there first. Mm, Tough. And then we get there and we look out and we're like, wow, it looked better by the hotel way back the other way. (laughs) And then we passed people coming back and then we got back to where we'd started and it looked even worse. So then we were like, well, let's drive and find another spot. Oh, no. You spent the whole morning chasing (laughs) waves that didn't exist. (laughs) Pretty much, but we we did end up at a um, North Immersers and I mean probably seven or eight waves that that were all right. They were very soft and it was not high tide, but it acted like high tide. So it was mid tide that maybe I don't it wasn't a full moon. I don't know what it was. Maybe you know more about that kind of thing. Is El Nina anything to do with the tides uh. effect? Um, first of all, I like to say I do know all about that, but I'm not going to share on the air because we just don't have time for that kind of lesson right now. So I'll get back to you. But um, it's been super windy. Yeah. Like all last week, it was real windy. and I It went know. offshore, but then it just, I think it was so windy offshore, it will blow it away. It'll blow the swell right out. How about you? Are you doing swimming lessons yet? Well, I'd like to say that you've got this new setup in our in our recording studio right now you with like? the bookcase right here, and it's very um, distracting. Oh. Yeah, I'm just looking at all the books and thinking, well, I should read this one. <laughs> I think I read that one before. I need to focus. <laughs> I need to focus. Yeah, let's see. Uh, my new instructor starts next week i think awesome yeah so we're still trying to flesh out his schedule and keep him as busy as possible my goal is to um have him teaching so many back-to-back swim lessons that he wants to vomit mm-hmm. we'll so you're the do. director instead of the teacher this go around yes nice yeah it's incredibly challenging with two kids home over the summer to be all the time on the road for swim lessons. But this guy's young and competent and all those things. So he's going to hit the road. Awesome. Make that dollar. Um, teaching some f- our free diving classes are filling really, really well this year, which is great. We got some new instructors coming online, which is great. Hoping to streamline that process too, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. get that get that going for us. Um, my kids and I have been swimming in the river for a month already. People nice. ask all the time, is it warm enough to swim yet? The answer is no, <laughs> but we're doing it anyway. That's right. Cold been, plunge. Yeah, been doing the whole cold plunge thing. Um, I exercise. I'll go run and then I'll do my plunge. Mm. Yeah, warm your body up and yeah. then cool down. I have heard that you're supposed to do the opposite, though. Plunge oh. it out and then go for a workout. That seems kind of like, seems like it'd be more of an extreme plunge if you're hot and then 
That's what oh. I'm saying. I'm all about the extreme. Yeah. I'm not doing it You're the easy way. You're an extreme sport woman. I'm an extreme person. Okay. I did want to ask, do you think that, uh, that what's his Nestor, his mm-hmm. book Breathe, mm-hmm. has had an impact on the amount of free dive um, lessons? Because, I mean, it's so people, not just people who are interested in diving. I mean, people are buying that book. Yeah. <laughs> it's called Breath. Yeah. It's called Breath. <laughs> But yeah, I think definitely because he, in his first, well, the first book that started, you know, kind mm-hmm. of introducing free diving, mm-hmm. uh, James Nestor wrote Deep, in which case he kind of um, really points out some extreme negatives in competitive free diving, which, you know, as a competitive free diver, I didn't appreciate at the time. <laughs> but I get where he's coming from as an outsider. But in breath you definitely get the idea that he has an affinity for breath holding and a respect for it and all this kind of thing and I would say that we get a lot of people that come into the class um looking for breath work breath work is a big uh it's a big hot topic right now it's like like cold thing yeah cold plunge uh you know 15 years ago was the Atkins diet and uh, (laughs) now we're cold plunging and and breathing through it and but you know I say that jokingly, but um, breathwork's been around for a really long time. It's fairly ancient among some groups, you know, like right. monks and things like that, that can heat themselves up on on demand and increase their internal body temperature just by breathing and stuff like that. And then in the free diving, we teach people how to lower their heart rate and all that. But I do have to uh, throw out a disclaimer these days that says, this is not a breathwork class. Mm-hmm. We are definitely going to talk breathing techniques as they relate to free diving, but not right. as they relate to, you know, more like general health, anxiety, stress, and diet. That being said, I feel like I should be teaching that. <laughs> I was, was going to say, why would you, I mean, I, I see with the free diving class, but maybe you could do two different. Mm-hmm. And one could be a preparatory, which would be nice to have under their belt before they come to the free diving class. I think there's room for two separate classes. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think if I can get some of these instructors going, you know, and get some help, then I might start to introduce the, the, those other things. Because, you know, at this point in my freediving career, it interests me to sort of catch Broaden. the wave of the cultural tide a little bit and yeah. lean into what people are interested in and um, obviously capitalize on it. <laughs> <laughs> Just joking. I only want to help people. Um, so anyway, yeah, you're right about those things. Awesome. Let's uh, go into our injustice of the week. Oh crap! Did you not bring one? <laughs> not bring. Do I? Did I need to send you the email? I just should have sent you the formal email, shouldn't exactly. I? Exactly. Yeah. Then I would have been able to prep. I think it ha- it should have to do with this. Oh. Not foam, maybe specifically, but just maybe the publishing industry. Oh, okay. Maybe. Oh God! Yeah, I knew you could come up with it something. It wouldn't take me long. <laughs> I knew there was something. Tip of the tongue. Tip of the tongue. Tip of the tongue. Well, right away that has to do with the publishing is I had created a little women's surf journal. Mm, yeah, and um, I see it over there. Yeah, and I love it. I was uh-huh. like so stoked to have. I didn't even know how much I would enjoy it, but I had seen a little log book, and I thought, oh, and then I thought I can make it better than that. You know, I can, um, I want to put some reflective questions in it so that I kind of ended up using a tagline for the journal is capture your stoke and carry it throughout the day. And 
I didn't really realize how effective it would be, but it, it really is helpful to have a few reflective questions. It'll probably take five minutes to fill out a page after you surf, but I think it's something that will carry you or carry that stoke a little bit longer. Okay, so while you were talking, I had to go pick up a copy because this is the first hard copy of this I've seen too. Yeah. A surf journal for women um, where you log your surf stats and so much more. Then when I open it up, it's sort of, it's like a journal. Yeah, it's it's a prompt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you take out, you take some kind of measurable quantitative information about your surf Mm -hmm. that day because, you know, people are nerds. They like that crap. (laughs) most memorable wave but then that starts scratching the itch you know of reflectiveness and then what am I thankful for Mm -hmm. do I need to let anything go what is my next step I am a masterpiece yeah well I mean it's kind of cool um we have a the mermaid surf group you know Mm -hmm. we interviewed mermaid kelly and she got a bunch of these to give to some of her coaching clients and it's a great way to kind of keep up with kind of your progress and but anyway back to the injustice of the freaking week yeah um i i do feel like we left this hanging a little bit this is a book that you sell yeah let's make that clear to people the surf journal laurel sells the surf journal and you can check it out on amazon you can check it out on amazon i'm also gonna have some i believe at like sunday's coffee shop eventually and maybe a couple surf shops your website and my website, for All sure. Right, but we can link to it in the um, yeah. in the stage too. Yeah, we'll we'll advertise it in the newsletter. So, as an injustice, mm-hmm. uh, I had published this on Amazon, and to kind of get my feet wet with what it would feel like to publish my novel on Amazon, and I was like, "Oh, this is awesome! This is so easy." Thirty days in, I just got into Puerto Rico, and I get an email from Amazon saying. You've been banned. We are keeping your royalties and you are permanently banned and can never publish on Amazon again. And I was like, I mean, it was a punch in the gut. Yeah, especially when I'm looking at this thing thinking, uh, (laughs) what what are we banning here? Right. They said I broke terms and conditions. I have no clue what those terms and conditions are. And that's the injustice is... Their lack of communication, I sent an email every week for two months and finally got another email that said, we detected manipulation of Amazon services, which I could see that. Well, when they sent that, I was like, oh, hell no. There was no, I did nothing. I didn't Uh, do anything. You just drug and dropped dropped a picture. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, so... And then I did reach out to, there's an alliance for independent authors, and they have some person on staff that communicates with somebody at Amazon. They never were able to get any information from them, just just that it was being looked into. And then in March, so this happened in January, in end of March, I get an email saying, uh, we're letting you back on, and... We're sending you your royalty check. And I'm like, okay. Okay. What happened so I don't do it again? Exactly. Uh-huh. Nothing. We can't tell you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to act surprised, but I've heard this story. <laughs> but I am trying to act surprised for the listeners. But 
doesn't matter if I've heard the story. It's still annoying. Yeah. It's, um, it felt like a trap because like, oh, well, am, I, am I supposed to like trust you? So No, you're not supposed to trust them. It's a no. learning lesson and it did provide, I mean. What did re- you learn though? Well, I learned that do not have all your eggs in one basket because it could disappear in a moment. And I would lose, not only did I lose rankings, because actually the surf journal had moved up the charts in surfing mm-hmm. to like number seven or 13 or something, which is really crazy considering like barbarian days, you know, is number one and has been forever. Hmm. But that one. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I just, it gave me the information. It came at the right time because I feel like it was the best thing that could have happened to me because I will never be beholden to Amazon and I'm actively working on I'm using another aggregator to get my book out everywhere. But like, say that does get banned off Amazon. It can never go back to Amazon mm-hmm. unless they change their mind. Mm-hmm. But um, and so I couldn't go through another place to put it on Amazon. But it, I can be in all these other places and I could sell direct from my website. So I'm learning how to do that. And really, they say that's the best thing you can do, because why would I send a customer to another store because that store already has all the customers. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. And and it sucks because, I, I mean, it sounds like the lesson you learned was fickleness of that corporation and probably big, big corporations in general. Mm-hmm. And so they, they can't be trusted because they're too big. Yeah. They're too big. They no don't gonna, know what's happening. Yeah, they don't know what's happening. Jeff Bezos doesn't care <laughs> uh, about what. That was Ashley's advice to me, by the way. <laughs> Reach out to Jeff Bezos. <laughs> well, and that's what tell Timothy, him what Timothy Ferris would have told you to do that. That's right. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, of course, selling from your website and would be the best thing. But to be honest, I don't have that many people going to You my don't website. have the traction that Amazon does, right? right. And when, when I even send a friend, like suggest a book or whatever, I don't go to the book's website. Mm -mm. I just Google the book. Mm -hmm. The first thing that comes up is the Amazon. That's where they can buy it. Doom, doom, doom. And that's who gets the click. Well, what I would like to do is have, obviously I'd like to stay on Amazon, Mm -hmm. but also have when I send, you know, I'm doing publicity right now. So Mm -hmm. I've reached out to WCT or local news station and Mm -hmm. they just got back to me. So they're going to do a little thing. Well, as is Wrightsville Beach Magazine or a couple mm-hmm. other places, well, they could be sending them to me. Mm-hmm. I'm the one advocate, you know, so yeah. I could at least have it available at my website of course. without sending them somewhere else. So yeah. there's a lot of things you could incorporate. You don't want to lose Amazon. You just can't. Because you just want to use them as another tool. Exactly. Not your, your only basket. Source. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I gotcha. Um, well, that's great advice. I mean, Amazon, we love you, but we hate you. Yeah. We hate you. We, we hate what you're doing, but we can't stop ordering from you either. So <laughs> right. it's like the bra. <laughs> we hate you, we but hate we need you. We hate you, but we, yeah, you're, you're critical at this point. Yeah. Daily functioning. Um, well, shall we dive deeper about the book? Yeah. Let's dive in. All right. The first thing I want to do is start with... Um, the launch party, the day, all of the information. Okay. And then I want to say it again at the end. That way everybody's hearing it two times because, you know, we know that we have an international audience (laughs) and that people are tuning in to hear what we have to say, but we 
definitely want to um, get our local community involved yeah. first with yeah. the book. When's your launch party? The launch party is June. Oh, so the book launches on June 21st, which is the first day of summer. Ooh, it's available. Auspicious. And the launch party is June 22nd. It's a Thursday evening at mm. Spoon Fed Kitchen and Bake Shop. It's like my favorite evening to do things. Yeah. And uh, Matt and Kim at Spoon Fed have been gracious enough to, because they're not usually open at night. So they're mm-hmm. going to open up and Aww. host for us. And um, thank you, Spoon Fed. Yeah. They're going to make some Puerto Rican tropical little eats Mm -hmm. because that's where a lot of the book takes place Mm -hmm. so um yeah so So everyone's invited so it's 6 30 to 8 30 thursday june 22nd and you do have it's free but it's Uh and i think there'll be some kind of cash bar because i don't think i can pay for everybody to have drinks Mm -hmm. but um it is an rsvp situation so I can we can link to the RSVP. Mm-hmm. It's just an easy click. But just put your name on it. Just so I can tell Matt and Kim, like, we got this many people coming. Yeah. Okay. So a couple ways you can RSVP. Go to Laurel's website. Yep. Laurel Instagram has a link. Okay. In and the bio. Laurel uh, Senec on Instagram. Laurelsenec.com is your website, right? Yeah. You know what? It's not on the website right now. Oh, get that on the website. Okay. <laughs> I'll definitely, I can put it on post session okay. easily. Yep. So we'll put it on post session too. And then they can probably like, Email you in RSVP, right? Absolutely. Which is? My email, oh, contact at laurelcynic.com. Contact at Laurel. Okay, and we'll put all this in the in the show notes too. So come out to the launch party. We'll have a post-session podcast booth, mm. like a little table, right? Yeah. Are we well, going to do that? We're going to have a table and we're selling the book. Yeah. And post-session podcast will be there. I <laughs> thought we were going to do maybe a little live. Uh, that would be awesome. Recording. Yeah. Just yeah. talking and, and doing that kind of thing. And I don't know if it's going to be, yeah, we'll, we'll do, maybe we'll do Instagram live mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if we can figure that out and then uh, <laughs> put it on our website. So that'll be fun. Um, now let's talk about the book. Duh. This book was a long time <laughs> in the making. You wrote this book. Because you wanted to read a surf novel about a female protagonist, right? Or with a female protagonist. Yeah, I remember just, you know, when I first learned to surf, I was so stoked on it and excited. And, Mm. you know, eventually you're like, if you're a reader, you're like, oh, I kind of want to read something that has surfing in it. Mm -hmm. And um, I picked up a couple of books and then I was really looking for, oh, there's got to be one with a female lead character that surfs and there wasn't there just I mean I looked at all the bookstores and the library and there just wasn't one the only thing that was out there were Bethany Hamilton's little teen books right which to be honest I enjoyed um (laughs) (laughs) of course of course but but I just you know I love kind of adventure suspense um movies books Mm -hmm. and so I was already in a writer's group and I was doing mainly nonfiction mm-hmm. and writing little devos or um, memoir type things about mm-hmm. times in my life or whatever. And I had um, the woman who was the president of our chapter writer's group mentioned to me one day, she was like, Laurel, you're so creative. You should try fiction. And I was like, Really? <laughs> That's how I feel about fiction. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I don't write fiction. I can't write fiction. You can, though. But <laughs> who was it that suggested it? Who's the... Andy Lee? Andy, right. 
kept saying Angie. Um, Andy, yeah. So she brought up fiction and you said, I'll give it a stab. Pretty much. I just thought, I just took it like a word from God. Okay, I, this is what I'm going to try. And then uh, National Novel Writers Month is in September, I believe. And I just got up early. I didn't want to take any time from the rest of my day because, mm-hmm. you know, you already have your job. You've got your surf time. You've got your... <gasps> times that you just don't want to sacrifice this is where we need to bring out the highlighter this is a good useful tidbit you didn't want to take any more time so what did you do i got up earlier dang i know that's the time it's not what i wanted to hear but well don was already up doing his little quiet time and usually i'd sleep an extra 45 minutes or whatever Mm -hmm. and so i would get up an extra hour early and come in the office and I would pass Don and be like, just pray for me because I have no idea what I'm going to write. But NaNoWriMo is a structure where you write 2,000 words a day. So, And because I'd done years ago The Artist's Way, which gives you those morning pages where you just kind of vomit on the page, mm-hmm, stream mm-hmm. of consciousness, um, I knew the type of story I wanted to tell. And I knew, I don't know, I just came in here and I would write stream of consciousness what I'd think of next. And then there would be little points in the story that I knew that I wanted. So uh-huh. like if I got stuck, I'd just go, okay, I'm going to skip to this as I know what I want to happen next or, you know, over here. And so that's why it took a long time because I put out a beast and then had to wrestle that beast into right. a structure and learn all along the way what it's really supposed to be doing. <laughs> well, I have two questions that came out of that mm-hmm. that little dissertation. One <laughs> is uh, you get up an hour early to write, but I still find it impossible. Because then if I'm up, I feel like, okay, I can get ahead on my work for the day. Or I got to squeeze in that Bible reading time. Mm. Like where the heck? There's still no time, you know? So what you're saying is that if you carved out more time you'd put something else in. i would <laughs> yeah so how do i not do that mm, mm. <laughs> you just got to get up do the writing and then let the rest of the day fall into place well and i think sometimes you know we often have when there's something that we think that we're supposed to be doing yeah there's that uh white noise in your head yeah, yeah. and so when you put something structure that you implement for writing, then I think it's a lot easier to find other places that you can put those other things. So the one structure for the one discipline can enable some of the other disciplines. One step at a time. One Get that one going and everything else starts falling into yeah, place and, better and too. And you'd be surprised okay. gotcha. what, um, what you come up with. And I found the another tip, if you're interested in writing, is not editing at all. Mm-hmm. And so being half asleep was really a good thing. <laughs> if you just wake up and go, you don't have your editing cap on. You've got your free flowing creative mind. Yeah. Because when you're sleeping, you're doing your problem solving. Yeah. And if you go to bed thinking about a problem in the book, you'll mm-hmm. solve it while you're sleeping. You wake up, you write about it before you get all critical. Yeah. And then for me, that critical mind Stops me from even even starting. Yeah, because yeah. when you're saying, "Okay, I wrote this beast," I know what you're what you're doing. You're writing this part. You're writing that part. Mm-hmm. You're just getting all the ideas out. Mm-hmm. But that lack of structure towards the like the timeline of the book is a real big challenge for me. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, Peter McGuire says the same thing though. He gets up 
just real early in terms mm-hmm. of writing then. And I think if you, like now what I, even I've written the second book, it's not edited at all and I don't have the ending yet, but mm-hmm. what I learned from this was some structure that I can employ next time. So instead of starting from scratch, I've got an outline and I've got some points in the story structure that I know I have to hit that I've already got ideas for, or I've already written, but you can start with, I started with that. And so Mm -hmm. then when I went to the free for, you know, the free, whatever you've got, you only have to get down. It's like a chapter, you know? So then you've got that structure. So I think, you know, they call people pantsers or outliners or, you know, so you may be someone that wants that structure first and hitting those things of what you want to hit in your book. Cause I it know, would make it easier. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you write longhand? I did. I wrote it longhand. Actually both I've written longhand. I feel like that's more productive also. I mean, it takes longer. It took longer, but you got to transcribe everything. And total pain. Tra- yeah. Yeah. But you know, a lot of people, and now AI is so, um, crazy who knows what all you could do you got to be careful with that with copyright and stuff but you could easily speak your book into your phone in the you know you might have a more conversational tone which kind of also gets rid of that critical mind a little bit if you're just speaking about hey the you know Right. Of course. Yeah. You can talk into it. Mm -hmm. You'd still need to edit it because I find a book that's not books are, I mean, other than dialogue, books are fairly formal Mm -hmm. kind -hmm. of translation of our language and a book that is written informally too conversational is real distracting. It sounds bad. Well, just remember the writing process is one tenth of the process. 90% 90% of the process is editing. Yeah, that's a bummer. You're bumming me out right now. <laughs> so you wrote in longhand. I had a girl tell me to do that a long time ago because she said you have to use the creative side of your brain to write. Well, that may not be for everybody, but because I was in a clinical profession, and so when I would go to my computer, it was QP provided this intervention and that intervention, and these were the results. And so immediately when I go to my computer, that was what felt was, like work. It felt like, yeah. Well, it was just that mindset. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. this clinical formula yeah, per se. And so that got me out of that. But I think now I could go in and write without doing it freehand. But I mean, who knows? Maybe that would be what I'll do. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. You still did the second book freehand. Yeah, but I was, <laughs> I was still working. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Job. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. So, um, I read this book a few times. Three. Yeah. And I will say the third time, it had been a gap between the first couple of times. And the third time, it changed dramatically. I mean, you changed the whole perspective. Mm-hmm. It was written originally third person. Yeah. So why did you switch it to first person? <sighs> like, how do we even know where to start? If we want to write a book, how do we know where to start with that crap? Because I don't want to switch part way. That's too hard. That's a lot of work. It, but again, 90% is editing. Oh, yeah. So we should expect to. It's surprising. I would almost say to a newbie, if they're writing fiction, to start first person mm-hmm. because it's, it's easier. Mm-hmm. And then 
during the editing process, you can change it to third person fairly easily. I did third person because, you know, most of what I read is third person. Mm -hmm. But then I still felt like I had a, I had, for me, my creative brain, I could come up with creative things that were happening, but being in her head, that was a little, that separation was there. Like, how do you, how do you, um, Get How do you with tell people what's in her mind? Yeah. yeah, I did find that the language is way more active when you switch to first person. Yeah, it, it's like uh, immediately it was just easier to read because of that. Mm-hmm. And um, I know I have a real draggy, wordy voice, <laughs> and I think third person would just sound like. Well, you're very articulate. Uh, I think you could. I think it, a, a good exercise is. For anybody, like even if you've got a draft, I would switch POVs just uh-huh. for an edit. I know it sounds like a big deal, but it's going to change everything. It changes everything. Yeah. And you get to you get to either step into the person's head or you get to step out of the person's head. If you're the person who's all your stuff is very in that person's head, mm-hmm. stepping into third person will help you set the setting, the all the other stuff. Well, then you can write about how the other people are feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Because your first person narrator might misinterpret the way people are feeling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I don't know. After I saw that huge change, I thought, I think first person's the way to go, especially for a new writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it is. Easier mm-hmm. to stay active. And yeah. that was, uh, I guess, uh, Janet Ivanovich. <laughs> it's a person that I was reading. You gave me her how to write, how I write. No, you let me borrow it. No, I thought you let me borrow it. I oh. didn't have it. Well, yeah. You better give it back. <laughs> I never even read it. Oh, I read it. It's good. But um, I don't read her, but it's a I good I read book. her. And so her stuff is first person. And I found, I had somebody in my writer's group that said Cass kind of reminded her of maybe one of her characters who's a bounty hunter. But, you know. No, Cass is you. <laughs> no. Cass is not me. Uh-huh. But she, <laughs> She's got the hair and everything. Well, it's just the hair. It's just the hair. But, you know, a lot of protagonists have red hair. <laughs> <laughs> red, unruly hair. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the fun things, and this is kind of personal. This has, I mean, you know, going off, off topic here a little bit. Um, I did enjoy, or, you know, because I know you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really tried to peg your characters the whole time. It was, that was sort of distracting. I'm like, oh, Mario, who could this be? You know, this is someone from the past. Oh, uh, Madeline, uh, she's so smart. She's so cute. It's Annie and Kate put together. Uh, just all the characters. I'm trying to figure out who they are. <laughs> then I realized, wait a minute, it is fiction. Yeah. And they're probably just made up mostly. But I did use stories from my life that I could take into like the shark that was fun the dead shark it was fun to hear the stories yeah. there's many yeah there's many little scenes that were stories i've heard before so if somebody out there's reading and they're your friend mm-hmm. they might they, have heard a few they'll enjoy that <laughs> and then i think that's part of the process too like fiction isn't all just straight out of your hiney <laughs> it's just what's in there yeah and structuring it and coming up with a story how do you feel about like you're after all that time and all those edits and I know you feel like incomplete probably still about mm. the thing but mm-hmm. you're sending this thing out into the world right you ready for that <laughs> 
no. Um, I was trying to like grapple a little bit with how I was feeling like Amazon was supposed to deliver my author proof, you know, mm-hmm. um, at the day that it was coming and I knew it was coming. So in my quiet time that morning, I was like trying to be a little reflective, like, how do I feel about this? You know, right. am I ready for it to go out? Because that seems so scary. I, You know, it helped to have, you know, finally an editor say, uh, it's, re- you know, like, wow, this is the most put together book I've ever edited. Really? Yeah. Um, and and not that it's not perfect and it is my first novel. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I already know novel number two, it's already set up to be better. I, I feel like just because of you made it easier. It made it easier. Yeah. yeah. But I, um, gosh, I feel, I feel like, yeah, I feel like I've been up this mountain mm-hmm. and you know, I'm getting to the top and I'm seeing a little, a little view out there and maybe the, Sun is rising somewhere over here. <laughs> and at the top of the mountain, there's only one way to go. Yeah. You got to come down that thing. Yeah. And so we're just going to let it roll. That's, a, I guess, a, another, maybe something that's a little distractive is knowing that you, you're going to have to put it out there. Like, nobody's going to find the book. Nobody's going to just hear about the book. Yeah. And so you've got to promote the book. And that that is like, ooh. I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know what, though? I was going to say, because we've talked about our friend Pete Vealy before mm-hmm. and how he wrote a book, and it was very good. Mm-hmm. It, I really enjoyed it. But um, after seeing what you've done with yours, holding a print copy, looking at your pre-launch to-do list, your marketing list, all this stuff, he sold himself short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he had the baby. Mm-hmm. But the baby's still hiding at home. It's not out in in the world. And part of that is his personality. You know, he's a little Mm -hmm. more introverted. Right. And I think it's easier for you to, you know, it's easy for you to call people and say, hey, Matt, can we have the party at your place? That kind of thing. You're better at it. Well, I'll be honest. I, you know, I made the film any given morning years ago Mm -hmm. back in my early 30s or whatever. For sale at the website. Yeah. But I, I did not promote that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was, a you know, a look back on my, not that it was some perfect, epic thing to watch, but I could have pushed it further along. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know what the concept of promoting it or that even thinking of it in a business. I had somebody ask me recently in the waves, uh, you know, do you want to make money with this book? And I'm like, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, it'd be really nice. That's a strong motivator, I think, at this point, even if it's not why you started writing the book at this point. And I would say strong motivator only to the, not that, I mean, it would be nice not to be a drain on our family economy. (laughs) (laughs) Pursuing my artistic endeavors, Don's just, let's just say, Mr. Supportive, but I think we both would like to see some fruit of the labor. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. And, you know, as we all kind of get older and we get set into figuring out what makes us happy and what things we like to engage in and do, we look for <laughs> streams of income that are going to make that possible. Yeah. Which is probably not a nine to five. <laughs> no. <gosh. laughs> 
Yeah. But, but I think also you have the advantage now that you didn't have with the with the, the doc that you did is that our kind of the cultural landscape and, and the way that technology has just kind of infiltrated, it makes it a lot easier to see the mm-hmm. results of, mm-hmm. of marketing. And it, and, it, and it makes it a lot easier to engage with people. Mm-hmm. I mean, before smartphone, before social media and all that stuff, what do people do? All right. And I mean, I'll say uh, what I've learned from listening to some marketing author mm-hmm. podcasts that social media isn't a big driver there. Mm-hmm. Uh, email, your your uh, sphere of influence, I guess, is. But um, I heard this one person say, he's a coach, I think, for authors. But mm-hmm. he said, if you need to think of the selling as a door to serving. And I was like, hmm. well, that's the Christian worldview, I guess, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I mean, it, I think as Christians or people who of faith that we can kind of feel guilty about making money. Yeah. And working, <laughs> working hard. <laughs> well, there's also, there's also a um, tension between promoting your book and promoting yourself or right. feeling like you are promoting yourself or, or, or there's always this risk of being that seed that falls amongst the tangled branches, you know, the, 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 the thorns, <laughs> the thorny bushes where we can easily get, um, self-glorifying. Well, yeah. And just choked out by the world. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to know how far to push mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. when to push. I've pushed the baby out, Ash. You have. <laughs> out of the womb, onto the table. Well, I feel like my job is to, like when you look at the marketing list, you know. We need a to, picture of that board. I know. Um, is to reach out. And uh, then it's in God's hands <laughs> as to who responds back. Like mm-hmm. who says, you know what? We would like to interview you on our podcast or we would like to have you on whatever mm-hmm. or write something and so i'm just doing all the things that this is what you're supposed to do with a product and <laughs> checking your boxes and letting it all yeah you need to engage on matchmaker that thing that ren set us up on what's that matchmaker. it's just whatever it's this thing where you find interesting people to oh to interview, interview but in turn they look for people to interview also because podcasts are hmm. yeah that's a, definitely a growing yeah. market stream i've just found like yesterday i actually had to walk away from the board because i was like oh that's a magazine that's a surf mm-hmm. magazine or a surf podcast or a that i didn't even know about and i was kind of like it's overwhelming uh-huh <laughs> but see that's when i just shut the door i did i walked away and then i just blanked out on scrolling an instagram or something you know it's like passed out woke yeah, up an hour later yeah popcorn coming out of my uh-huh. mouth <laughs> speaking Chocolate. of passing out waking up an hour later and this is totally off topic but ren and i did start watching ted lasso i think it does i've, I've watched it at a friend's house we don't have apple tv or any way to watch it now we're doing the free trial oh yeah that's what somebody suggested because it was really good the first couple of episodes so mm-hmm. i had no idea oh you don't know how it all no. come. okay all right well <laughs> don't tell me no no um okay okay so let's get back to the book 
Do you, you told me not to ask you what the book is about, but we, we talked a lot about the stuff that I really wanted to hear. Yeah. How did you just get it done? You know, <laughs> I'm not going to ask you what the book's about, well, but you can. Okay. What is it about? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've got this girl, there's, there's a lot going on. I mean, treasure, Free diving. Free diving, my favorite. Yeah. Lots yeah. of surf, lots of, a little bit of, uh, you know. Addiction and recovery. Surf porn. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I feel like it's a young woman who's going on a journey. Journey, um, You know, tragedy strikes. Mm-hmm. Our protagonist runs to the place where her dreams were supposed to come true. Mm-hmm. We're not going to tell you what happened. She drops into some escapism just to manage the pain or suffering or whatever and uh runs into some unsavory characters Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um and then we get to this place where she is having to decide make some choices that is she gonna slip further down the hole or is she gonna pursue and help somebody else and um then we're in a race against time a race against time (laughs) you said in your press release, something about being a beach read? Yeah, summer beach read. It's very much summer beach read. Yes! You know? Definitely summer beach read. You can't it, see me, but my hands are up <laughs> in the air. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things, sitting by the pool, just enjoying. Yeah. Which, you know, yes. coming from some of the things that I'm reading right now, it's uh, refreshing. <laughs> you know, it's infresh- refreshing to infiltrate with just a little kind of escapism you know a little escapist literature the only person i've got beef with is paul Mm. (sighs) what Mm. a drain (laughs) and then at the end i'm not going to tell you what happens but i'm thinking (sighs) 10 years down the road you're gonna be like what am i doing with this guy she's not what she wait a minute all right no spoiler alert but yeah but paul's sort of just rough around the edges I'll, He's not I'll, rough around the edges in this. that way. He's just moody. Um, one of the inspirations for a romance, a part of any of the romance in there, mm-hmm. mainly the one. Mm-hmm. Um, You're saying the one, but there's like three major. I know. Yeah. She, <laughs> she gets her. She gets her. She's a young lady. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Emphasis on young, not on lady. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, a romantic. Uh, what are they called? Those, um, what, what do you call those different ploys that they have in novels over and over or stories? No storylines, no themes. No, those are all the words I know. Yeah. It'll come to me after the podcast, (laughs) but tropes. Okay. Tropes. And, um, one of the things I love in movies, um, is the relationship that starts off very argumentative. Mm-hmm. Like um, there's an old movie with Cary Grant and this woman, and they are at odds at the beginning. And it's just like the more they argue, the more they kind of start to... I get it. Okay, I get the appeal. I'm just saying, if we're talking about lasting into the future... Right, right, right. Who knows you if they circle last. back. <laughs> yeah, you circle back from that sexual tension that's created because of the arguing. 
<laughs> and the you arg- get back to arguing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yikes. Yeah, I like to make it a little um, electric. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. The next book is actually because my editor was like, oh, I can't wait to see what Cass does next. And same with the, the lady that wrote the review. Mm hmm. That's good feedback. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. And so, but I actually took a minor character, um, Raquel, is the next book. In right. Her story, so. But that's fun, because we don't get to know Raquel. That's right. And from the first kind of iteration that you were letting people read, mm-hmm. um, speaking of Raquel and speaking of, because we see her a little less in this book than in the first one. Oh, yeah, yeah. What... Two questions. Why did you take her out? And also, I know that as a Christian, you kind of battle sometimes with how much you should be pouring out, you know, and doing all the God talk and also not pegging yourself and isolating yourself to a small, a smaller Christian community when you want the world to read it, too. Well, I feel like um, this book is mm-hmm. not a Christian novel. Right. Let's just go ahead and say that. And but it is written by a person of faith. And so there is um, some truth that's weaved in the book that comes from different characters, maybe not the main character. And I absolutely do not ever want to be in real life. Mm. And in my writing life, a person that would come to somebody I didn't know and tell them what they need to do. Mm -hmm. And so I really believe that it's in an intimate relationship or a building relationship that you share those personal parts of your faith and and sharing it in a way that you're just sharing your faith, not so much. And I think you do this, Ashley, in, in your neighborhood. You know, you talk about what things have meant to you. And so there there is a, maybe a character in there uh, or two or whatever that maybe they have faith or have their spiritual walk or whatever, whatever. It's not, probably not. Well, Raquel was more that character, but, mm-hmm. um, and I just didn't ever want this to be something that would push people away. Mm-hmm. And I, if it makes you curious, great. If it doesn't, that's fine too, because it's a, it's a, I really like what the woman who wrote, um, a wrinkle in time, Madeline Lingle, it said, and it was just not about this. It's not about the push or it's not a track that you're handing to somebody. Well, no, that's true. Actually, you, you, you sent her book to me. You probably still have it. I read her fiction many years ago and I, and I actually read it to the kids now. Uh, but yeah, there's that book that she wrote about being a writer. Yeah. And she kind of really un, unties, unpacks some of those questions we have as Christians and how to present our work. You know, what is my responsibility when I'm teaching freediving mm-hmm. to share the gospel? You know, at what people aren't paying to hear me <laughs> share <laughs> yeah. the gospel. We don't hide it either. Well, that's you know? just it. You're just doing, just like anybody else would say, I'm sharing my truth. Mm-hmm. There's a truth that comes through my writing because of who I am. I don't hide it. 
and I don't uh, push it. Yeah. But when I'm reading as as somebody of faith or watching a show or whatever, I don't know if you do this, mm-hmm. I'm always trying to figure out what the worldview is mm-hmm. through what the characters are saying and what they're not saying. Like for Ted Lasso, for instance, mm-hmm. I'm thinking who <laughs> on this who's supposed to be a Christian, who's definitely not a Christian, who is maybe fallen, not a Christian anymore. What? Sorry if that sounds That's condescending. strange. Yeah, my bad. But you don't, uh, you don't do that? You're not trying to think, well, what about these writers? What message are these writers trying to get across with a character like Ted Lasso? I mean, I do think there are times that some things are written with an agenda, right? Yeah. I think everything is written at least with some kind of, even if it's not a forward agenda, they're writing from their perspective. Well, right. But I think that's a difference. And that's what I didn't want to do is have an agenda. Right. It doesn't have an agenda. Foam doesn't have that. And so I think that's the difference. And I don't really appreciate shows that have an obvious agenda because I do feel like that is out there. And so that's pushing, pushing, pushing. And I'm always, I always feel that push, pull back. I like a pull back naturally from anybody that's pushing and so this is something we want to hear sometimes we seek out those kinds of entertainment yeah like the chosen yeah there's an obvious agenda but i i don't know that it's an agenda so much as they're telling a story well that's true that's true i don't feel like it actually pushes an agenda you actually can enjoy the story even as a non-believer yeah you absolutely can that is true yeah but anyways, that's... But they're definitely believers. Neither here nor there. I know. Okay. Um, so I'm... Is there anything else you want to talk about? No. I, I would just say... Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I really wanted Foam to contribute to the sport that I love. And to I like that um, 10% of the profits basically is going to Surf Rider Foundation. Mm-hmm. And I specifically chose the Cape Fear chapter because that's our local yeah. chapter. And the Rincon Puerto Rico chapter, which is where most of the book takes place. And they do struggle as a... Um, you know, as a territory for the U.S., as their own little country, their island, um, having the funds to support and protect because there's always developers trying to come in there. And really, the reef is so delicate. And right now, there's just so much happening um, where there's destruction of the reef and viruses and things that they're trying to protect it. And then, of course, then you have the developers coming in and trying to not give a poop. And there are underhanded people that will take money and let people get away with stuff that they shouldn't get away with. So surf riders, that voice that says, Hey, Mm -hmm. stop it. Yeah. We're, we're going to, we're telling. (laughs) That stuff's happening here too. Yeah. Yeah, It's bad everywhere. But so you, this 10% is going to go to Cape fear uh, and Rincon. That's pretty cool. I think it's cool um, to even think about the give back. Yeah. Yeah. Good job, Laurel. Your best work yet. (laughs) Thanks, Ashley. So I'm going to recap a few things here. June 22nd, if you're local or semi-local, come to the launch party at Spoon Fed, 630 to 830. It's free. Yo. Except there will be a cash bar. (laughs) Um, We'll probably be doing a live recording because that will be mega, mega fun. You're going to sell the book there. Mm -hmm. You're going to sell the book on the website. Mm -hmm. You're going to sell the book. uh, Amazon. Yeah, partial. Barnes and Noble. 
All the things. All the big ones. I will say, um, if people are listening and they want to buy the ebook, I'm going to have a universal buy button on my website. Mm-hmm. That will take you to whatever, if you like Kobo, if you like Barnes & Noble, if you like Amazon. But if you're getting the ebook, the book funnel app or the book funnel click for the ebook is most beneficial to me because they are, it's a app made by authors. It works just like Audible or any ebook. It's immediately on your device. I mean, you can immediately have it on your device mm-hmm. and be reading it later that day. And they have customer support. So if you actually have a problem with it or something's not working with your e-reader, they will help you and get it straight. Is this going to be real easy to navigate on your website? I hope so. Yeah. Yes. I mean, one button is going to take you to everything. So I would just ask if you're listening to this and you are an ebook reader, hit the book funnel button. And also on June 21st, when the book goes live, can people actually buy hard copies then? Yeah. Because what I would recommend. Soft copies. Yeah. yeah. Soft cover. Tacky. Yeah. Uh, if uh, It's called Matt. <laughs> I want the I want the classy version with the hardback. Oh, I'm tr- still trying. <laughs> Just joking. I yeah. tell you what I don't want though is the ebook. Blah. <laughs> Laurel made me read the the last edit uh, digitally, which I put off doing for two weeks because I hate reading things digitally. But Word. I did it. Yes, and it you. wasn't that terrible. You're welcome. It wasn't that terrible. <laughs> but anyway, I recommend if you have a little surf crew, if you're Kelly at... Uh, I'm sure she will. Yeah, Mermaid. mermaids. If you're in the little surf group... Surf mamas. Surf mamas. Uh, all those things. Buy a few copies and you guys do a little book club, a little summer book club, you know? Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a big Q&A. You know, well, what is the author thinking about the... Blah, blah, blah. Well, then you, you can, can always just... ask me if you're like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Just... Buy some copies for your crew and read a cool adventure novel and enjoy it. Written by our very own Laurel H. Sinek. Aww. <laughs> and we're going to put everything on our website. So, anything else, Laurel? That's it. All right, that's it. Um, of course, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. Engage us on Instagram. Um, and you know what, guys? If, if you have a good idea about a podcast or you have something you want to talk about, Hit us up. Yeah, hit us us. up. Hit us. We'll see what happens. Anything else? That's it. All right. Bye-bye. Bye, Bye, y'all.